0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now we bring you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday ready for the weekend. And of course, this is a huge weekend. It is first to kick off to the summer movie season back from COVID-19 and of course the pandemic. This is an official start to a normal, uh, somewhat normal, 90% normal summer movie season that is set to kick off this weekend weekend and of course it is back to normal in an also big way that a MCU movie movies kicking us off and it is of course dr strange in the multiverse of madness it is dr strange weekend they came out last night there's big numbers that we're going to be talking about coming out in regards to its opening night the money that it made the potential money that it can make opening weekend so we're going to get into everything regarding dr strange in the multiverse of madness previewing it for this weekend i am seeing it tonight so i'll have my review up later this weekend for people to see my non-spoil thoughts, and then later in the week, I'll get into what I thought about it in terms of full spoilers later on. But of course, this weekend, it's going to get for people to go see it, and experience it for themselves, and then all the spoilers come the week after. So we'll talk about all that, previewing everything going on with that film in the next couple of minutes. I'm also going to be talking about a bunch of trending trailers that came out over the course of the week. Of course, Star Wars Day was on Wednesday. Happy May the 4th, or belated May the 4th, to a lot of people, a new. Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer came out, so we'll be talking about that and so much more, but I am going to kick things off with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just not with Doctor Strange as also earlier this week, it was of course a big weekend for or big week for Disney Plus and the MCU side of the TV world, and that of course was the finale of Moon Knight, which I think a lot of people have loved what has come so far for the most part, it's this new mystery, new character, people have loved what Oscar Isaac has done with Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, this mystery of what's real, what isn't, the psychological thriller with horror elements that we've been getting. I think a lot of people have been on board. But of course, the big thing when it comes to these MCU Disney Plus shows is really with the finale. And is six episodes enough? Is there a kind of rushing element that we get to with the final episode or two that makes things kind of feel like if we had a few more episodes, it would be a lot better. And for the most part, I think people have loved Moon Knight and the finale is going to determine as, as it usually does how people really land on it. And for the most part, from what I've seen, people have really enjoyed it. And for myself when experienced the finale for just seeing it one time, I enjoyed it. it. It it wasn't the best finale, and I don't think it was the greatest wrap-up of things for all the elements that they were going for in this storyline. And again, this is gonna be a non- spoil the review for the finale of Moon Knight which was titled Gods and Monsters and I thought there were some awesome elements throughout. I think they did a good job of tying in some elements from episode five into episode six. I thought the first half of this episode with the action sequences and kind of the the the, the lane foundation has been building up since season one was done very well here. I thought the, the character development and the character art wrapped up really nicely for Mark and Steve. And I like the way that they kind of come together by the end of this. I thought Layla had an amazing... Amazing performance in this. Make Hallamway. Other than Oscar Isaac, I think has been a huge signing star. And usually within the MCU, we get a bunch of these rising stars that we don't know anything about. I think we're going to be seeing the same thing with Sochi Gomez this weekend, which we'll get into in a little bit. But with 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 Make Hallamway, she has brought Layla to life. And I think other than what Oscar Isaac has done with Moon Knight and the characters that he's performed, Layla I think has become a new favorite for a lot of people. So I love what they do with her in this episode episode, and hopefully we see more of her in the MCU as well. Again, the acting all around again was incredible. I also have to throw in Ethan Hawke, who killed it in this finale. I think for somebody who was never really high on comic book adaptations and never thought he would get into it until meeting Oscar Isaac for doing this this TV show, he really did kill it. And again, to get a legend like that, to do a villain like this, even for a villain that doesn't have a lot within the comic books, I think Ethan Hawke and the creators did a great job of fleshing this character out and giving him his own arc. And I think it came Came to a really good conclusion by the end of this so there was a lot of things that were really good about the episode but unfortunately I think the last 10 to 15 minutes even in some elements throughout the rest of the finale seem very rushed and i think this has been a very big thing throughout a bunch of the shows like wandavision even though that was nine episodes you can kind of feel the finale was rushed and a lot of storylines that were developing didn't really get any kind of conclusion and, and of course for a lot of this stuff they're setting things up for the future but it just felt like for that story what the mcu is so known for it is every single one of their entries for the most part have a beginning, a middle, and an end that you can enjoy and you can be satisfied with the story and then of course they lead things off for things to come in other installments but with some of these TV shows it feels very much like it's open-ended and they will the, the, they'll explore things whether it's in movies or other TV shows down the line and the same thing a little bit with with Loki which I still think was probably their best finale out of everything that has gone on I think the same thing could be said about Hawk even though I enjoy the Hawkeye show, I think there were some elements that were pretty rushed, especially going back and watching that show again. Uh, again, it's just things that you're introducing in the penultimate episode. You're just gonna have you, you just feel like they're rushing through to kind of get through in in the finale. Whereas I think if this is very much a Disney thing, where if they were to give Marvel eight episodes, even nine, 40, 50-minute episodes to flesh these characters out. I think it would go a long way to really improving the ending of these because I think when we get to the beginning and the middle, there's a lot of great stuff that's involved. But when we get to episode four, five, and six, you start to feel like, okay, where is this going? How are we going to wrap all these different storylines up? And I think it's even more evident and prevalent within the finale of Moon Knight that things were very much rushed and things that were built up from mysteries are just either kind of thrown away or we don't really get to experience it in the finale. I think we wanted some kind of resolution to some of those things, especially if this is a series finale like Oscar Isaac and some of the creatives have said about this show. And there's been mixed messaging about the marketing campaign when it comes to it being a a series finale or is it a season finale? What's really going on with this? And so I think where... That angle of it has been a little rushed. I do think that's something that they can fix, and that is very much something that Disney can give Marvel to do in order to, I think, better expand on these shows moving moving forward. So I think there were elements that were very much rushed that could have been given another episode or two very much give this episode a higher rating than it actually, I think, got from me. I, I almost had it at a nine, but I did have to to take it down a few notches because of the last episode. And again, I think if it gets a few more, another hour or so, I think it could really change the perception of the show. And even though the post-credit scene gives some good indication of where this character could go in the future, I do think that the ending of the show will leave some people saying, huh, okay, that interesting way to end the show and the character. And and so I think if you were to give people a better resolution, a little bit more pacing, a better pacing of, of the finale and, and expanded. I think this could have definitely gone a long way of, of delivering on the finale. But overall, though, when talking about the entirety of the show, I think this is one of the best ones they put out to date. It's definitely within my top three favorites of the Disney Plus MCU show so far. It's right up there with WandaVision and Hawkeye for me. I think they delivered in giving something different within the MCU. I think one of the great things that they also did was making sure that even though this is in in the wider universe, it feels very much its own thing. And other than a few name drops here and there, everything else is very much untethered to, to the rest of everything else that is kind of going on within phase four. I think that really worked to its benefit because you can get people that maybe are interested in this character, but don't know things about the MCU. They can go into this and not knowing anything and just enjoy it from beginning to end for its six episodes. And I think that is, again, one of the great things about Marvel is that they're able to do that and again this is still I think growing pains for them and they've done exceptional stuff within these shows but I think there's very much some work that can be done again with the with the structuring and and the pacing but the characters were amazing I want more Stephen Grant and Mark Specter. I want more of, of Layla and Conchu so it definitely left me desiring more and I think that's a good thing because I think for a lot of people it shows how invested they are in the character and in the story and again that's something that marvel it does a great job of doing so again overall i, I love this show i would definitely go back and watch it again i loved the, the egyptian iconography i love the locations that they went to i loved the kind of treasure hunting trail that they went through, the Indiana Jones, and Mummy vibes that it gave. It definitely had some horror elements throughout it, which were promised, and they delivered on those, I think, as well. The CGI, I think that was one thing that, especially in in this episode, it's very CGI heavy, and I think the action sequences deliver. And sometimes even, even TV, and even some of the MCU TV, is a little bit, the CGI has been spotty, and Moon Knight, some of the CGI has been a little, you could tell that it's definitely computer graphic imagery and VFX instead of something real but with this finale Conchu looks great Ahmet looks great all this all those elements actually work and you believe it throughout it and I, I really dug that they pretty much focused a lot of their energy on these last few episodes when it came to the VFX and they knew that they had some bigger things to to conquer when it came to the to to the the VFX and earlier on in the season so I enjoyed all that stuff I think it delivered on almost all aspects and, and instead of some rushing points in the finale, I think it gave a really good conclusion for Stephen Grant and for Mark Spector. Delivers a really cool post credit scene where it reminds me a lot of kind of Far From Home where if you just kind of end Moon Knight, where the last shot is, and you don't go to the mid credit scene, it acts as a very much completely different ending than you would see if you were watched the the mid credit scene, and has a big impact for the character moving forward. But I would love to see more of him in the MCU, teaming up maybe with Blade, or maybe creating the Midnight Suns, or some other corner element of the MCU, which this one really kind of introduced a-, a new corner of it, but also introduced some supernatural elements that I'm sure will be prevalent in things going forward in this universe, but overall, dug it. I would give it an eight out of 10. Again, if the finale was as good as the rest of the show it probably would have been a nine, but I did drum it down a bit, two and eight. But I love the, the, the stories that it tells. I love the messaging, especially when it comes to the dissociative identity disorder. I think when talking about mental health and abuse and trauma, it lived up to the level of what WandaVision was able to do and really drive home some of the elements of what haunts this character of Mark Spector and why he he does what he does and who he is, who he is, and why he has dissociative identity disorder. So all of that worked really well. Again, it's just some elements of the story were a little rushed in the finale and that dropped it down from a nine to an eight out of 10 stars but still really dug it one of my favorites in the mcu of disney plus and i'm very excited to see more of this character moving forward what did you guys think about the moon knight finale let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and now moving on over to some trending trailers that came out over the last week we're gonna stay within the disney plus realm and go to a galaxy far far away and again like i said at the top of the show Wednesday was Star Wars Day. So happy again belated May the 4th to everyone. It's always a great celebration, a, a an unofficial official celebration for everything Star Wars. And of course, we always get some great stuff, especially over the last couple of years for Star Wars Day. We got the final few episodes of the animated show Clone Wars uh, in 2020. We got the premiere of The Bad Batch last year for Star Wars Day. And this year, we did get a few things, nothing big when it came well, we got some big things, but nothing in terms of big TV shows or anything kind of dropping. We did get a cool kind of Disney gallery behind the scenes look at the making of the book of Boba Fett. That's really cool. I love... That show that they do for Star Wars so far between The Mandalorian and and Boba Fett. It's some great sequences and some great insight into the making of that show. But the big thing, of course, people are talking about from Star Wars Day was the unsurprising drop of the potential last trailer before it comes out in a few weeks of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I don't know how anything could top the teaser trailer that we got a few months ago for Obi-Wan. I think that trailer lived up to the hype, got people excited and into what they're going to be experiencing with this show. It is arguably the most anticipated Disney Plus show since the streaming service came to be in November of 2019, even though we got Mandalorian and we've gotten some some MCU shows, I don't think anything coming into its premiere has been more hyped up and anticipated than this Obi-Wan show. It's been a long time coming between b- being a movie at one point and going through the process of becoming a television show, the announcement of Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader, all of it has been working into this. We got a great teaser trailer. So going into this one, could it live up to that height, that expectation And to me, it's not as good as that teaser. When you have Duel, the Fates playing and some of the prequel music, you're not going to be able to get to that level. But I did think that this is the next best thing for the show. It dived into some of the story elements, introduces to some of the characters, such as the the Inquisitors. We got, I think, a better look at the Grand Inquisitor, who's coming over from the animated shows into live action. With this one, he's being portrayed by Rupert Friend. You have Moses Ingram, who's in this as well from Queen's Gambit. She's playing a, a brand new Inquisitor who looks just terrifying and, and menacing. And she has a great line at the very end of this episode But the big thing, of course, is the focus on on Obi-Wan and the fact that you're seeing him do things in this trailer that you didn't expect him to do when he was a Jedi in the prequel trilogy. And you see him working with blasters. And you know if you've watched the the prequel trilogy that Obi-Wan isn't the biggest fan of blasters. He's very much a full-on Jedi. He's somebody who knows the ways of the Force. He's somebody that follows in line for what they do. And he tries to be a, a civilized Jedi. He doesn't like all the war and things that go on. But when you see this other side of Obi Wan, somebody who is trying to keep faith with the Jedi Order and, and everything that has gone on, and dealing with everything that he feels responsible for in bringing up the uprising of Darth Vader and the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and the PTSD that he probably has from everything that went on in Episode Three, ten years later, it all seems to be taking a toll on him. And he has a great scene in the trailer between Owen and Owen Lars, who's played by Joel Edgerton again from the prequels, and Ewan McGregor, and you see come some of that disdain that you saw in A New Hope where Owen is not a big fan of Ben Kenobi and you're starting to see that in the one little bit of a snippet we see of a scene between the two of them where Obi-Wan wants to start to train Luke and he says listen, this kid needs to be trained, he needs to learn the ways of the Force, time is time is not on our side right now and Owen doesn't want that for Luke, he wants him to leave him alone and he has probably the biggest disline in Star Wars history when Obi-Wan asks him he needs to be trained and Owen says like you trained his father. You're going to train him the way you did Anakin and lead him down a path that is where people are today in the rise of the Empire and the strength of the dark side that has resurged since episode three. So I thought that was a great scene to kind of tease some great action. People are noticing that they don't have a lightsaber sequence so far with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think that's actually a smart thing to kind of leave that back from the trailers make that a huge moment in the actual show and even though the entertainment weekly cover has obi-wan kenobi in that still image of him with the lightsaber and it's ignited and he's using it the fact that you're going to see that in motion leave it for the actual film or actual show i think is a much better moment that people will look forward to and of course everything happening with darth vader and the fact that i think we all know who darth vader is we've seen him in rogue one we've seen him in the original trilogy. We know who he is. So to kind of hold them back a little bit, only show the, the breathing and, and, and him be, getting the, the suit on and things like that, I think that was a smart mechanical move of when you see those elements, you know who it is. And if you want to see more, go watch the show. So I think all that what was done really well. The poster, I got to say, one of the best Star Wars posters I've seen in this new Disney era. I love the, the big, shot of obi-wan and then within him it has that little mini shot of darth vader on the edge of a cliff with his lightsaber ignited that just in that one in that one poster it says everything you need to know about what the show is going to be and, and where these characters are going to go and how they're all kind of linked together so everything about this campaign has been great i think disney and lucasfilm knows that they don't have to Overmarket this movie i think they realize that we have all the goods people we have established characters that people know that we don't have to oversell this to people people are going to be coming and watching this no matter what given that it is star wars but it's characters that people are familiar with and and actors that are playing these roles that people are familiar with so I, i think saving a lot of it saving hayden christensen for the actual show instead of a trailer is a smart idea. Now, whether we get some spoilery moments within the the next couple of weeks with TV spots, who knows, we're, we're seeing that right now with Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. But again, I think what they've done so far is great. I think it got people's anticipation up once again. And if people were maybe on the fence, I think this definitely moved them. So all positive signs moving forward for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And again, it's going to be one of the biggest things to come out this year, this summer for sure. And all eyes will be on May 27th for a bunch of reasons. But a big primary reason, of course, is going to be for the two-episode premiere of Obi-Wan Kenobi on May 26th. What did you guys think? about this trailer. Were you into it as much as I was? Did you enjoy it as much as the first teaser? Was it better than the first teaser trailer? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And then moving from a galaxy far, far away, we're going to be going back to the world of Westeros as we got from HBO yesterday our first official look, our first official trailer at the brand new Game of Thrones spin-off show, House of dragon and for a lot of people for game of thrones fans this is going to be very interesting to see how many people get back on the wagon but for people that maybe might not know anything about this show house of dragons does take place 200 years before the events of the original show game of thrones and it'll chronicle the beginning of the end of house targaryen and the events leading up to the targaryen civil war known as the dance of the dragons and the war itself so Again, when when you hear Game of Thrones nowadays, it has a little bit of, of dirt on it than I think it did before season eight premiered where people didn't enjoy the final six episodes. People didn't like how a lot of the character arcs ended, where the show wrapped up. There are a lot of controversies behind the scenes in terms of things being out of place like Starbucks cups or water bottles that people were noticing if you were to freeze frame the elements. And so for, for a lot of people, Game of Thrones doesn't have the same clean, pristine name that it did before season eight premiered. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how big this show lifts off from, especially if it delivers on its episodes and people rave about it. Will people come back to watch the show? And again, when it comes to universe-making, franchise-making. When a lot of these elements work, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Jurassic Park, the Jurassic World franchise, you take advantage of it. It's making you a lot of money. It's making the, the, the network or the studio successful. You want to continue to capitalize on it. And Game of Thrones is rich with an abundance of elements and mythology that you can continue to do that. And my big thing was... When this, when they were greenlighting all these spinoffs, and 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 there was originally supposed to be an, uh, the first one that completely got scrapped, and the House of, House of the Dragon became the first one that is officially going through since Game of Thrones ended. My big thing was, am I gonna be excited to go back to Westeros? Am I gonna be like, ah, I could still wait a few more years. I don't need this right now. And I gotta say, when I watched the trailer, I was all smiles from ear to ear. I was happy to be back within this world. And even though it's completely new characters, it's familiar houses, the world is a lot younger than it was and and there's still a lot of rich history that you can go from with that and explore within Game of Thrones. And I think exploring with the House of Targaryen is an interesting factor because when you watch the the original show, there were a lot of stories that were being told from centuries ago with, with House Stark, the Baratheons, and I think... One of the elements that that was told extensively, that was very interesting, was some from the Targaryen side. It seemed like they were the ones that had a lot of the rich history, going centuries and years, years into the into the world of of Westeros. And I think for them to start with this house and see their reign and, and the beginning of the end of their reign is a very interesting way of, of going about it and seeing all, all all these new characters the dragons again king's landing it, it was all just great to see and I, I think it reminded me that yeah season 8 might not have had ended a little bit rocky again i'm somebody who enjoyed the finale i liked where it ended but again it's been on rocky grounds and i hopefully this show gets people excited again because there were a lot of great elements of game of thrones as still live on today it's con- it, it it should be and it is considered a groundbreaking affair for bringing fantasy world elements to television in a way that can work, that's mature, that's adult, that is grounded, but has fantastical elements, and, and it worked, and it had great interesting characters, and so the fact that you have George R. R. Martin that's on this show, and you have Miguel Sabanajek, who was directed a lot of the fantastic elements from Game of Thrones, especially in their battle episodes, he knows this world very, very well, and so I'm very much excited about where Game of Thrones is going to go from here. It was great to just be back there and so I'm all in. I'm excited for when the show hits on August 21st which I think is a great premiere date for it right at the end of the summer, right at the beginning of the fall season as well. There's not a lot of stuff coming in the month of August so this will very much I think dominate the headlines going into the fall movie season and the fall season of content that we're going to be getting from movies and TV as well. So we'll see how it goes but it's going to be very curious to see the response for people if you're going to get general audiences to go back into this world to invest in these characters after definitely and I can understand after some felt burnt by what happened with the finale and the final few episodes so it's going to be very interesting to see if this this can hold as a majority franchise or if it was just a one and done thing lightning in a bottle we'll see but I'm excited for it I love the trailer and I'm very much interested to see how the rest of this show plays out with House of the Dragon what did you guys think about this trailer let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And the final trailer that I want to talk about on the podcast today is one that came out late last night, and it was well, it was one that I was not expecting whatsoever. It happened at an event that Netflix was hosting for Cobra Kai, and we all knew that a fifth season was on the way, We just didn't know when it was gonna come out, whether it was gonna follow the traditional window date that they've done for season three and season four where it comes out at the beginning or tail end of, of the new year or of the old year into the new year. So I think a lot of people were expecting that format to happen again with season five. We knew at the time that season four came out that they were already kind of done or close to done filming the fifth season. They were into post-production. So it, it, we knew it was going to be coming out at some time this year. Surprisingly, we're going to be getting it very early in the fall season. As it was announced, that Season 5 of Cobra Kai will be hitting Netflix on September 9th. And that's not all we got. We also got our first trailer for the new season. And like the other ones, no surprise, it, it looks badass. It looks awesome, from seeing Chosen and Daniel team up together after seeing them at the tail end of season four, teaming up to take down Cobra Kai and Terry Silver, who's expanding and branching out. Cobra Kai and Daniel and Chosen are trying to stop it. That looks awesome. I love the sequence where you see Chosen say, I'm gasoline, after Terry Silver says, you better watch playing with fire. So that seems like it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that team up come into place, especially I think after seeing the turn that Chosen took. At in season three of Cobra Kai, to kind of see this team up in this in this very interesting dynamic between Daniel and Chosen, I think I'm really excited to see that expand in the fifth season. Also seeing Johnny and Robbie team up together to go down to Mexico and find Miguel. I'm very interested to see that dynamic kind of change. And I think it's a, it's a little bit of fresh air where all these different characters aren't interlinking with one another. They're all going on their personal journeys and after kind of butting heads and then teaming up at the very end of season four, it's nice to kind of, to to see that a little bit and, and get some new interesting dynamics that maybe we didn't see happen in the other seasons. And I think for a TV show, you have to do that in order to kind of keep fresh, and new and spontaneous, especially when you're five seasons in. Usually at this point, People are wondering, where's the end game gonna come? What Are we gonna get to the ending of this? How much longer are we gonna go for? And those questions, I think, still exist, but every single season of Cobra Guy has gotten better and better, and these storylines keep getting interesting with all the twists and turns, and the new character developments that within characters that are already established is fantastic, and it's some great storytelling that these creators are doing with this show. They're fans of this, they, they know the universe like the back of their hand at this point, and this new, this new season, looks like it's just going to be better. And just on that same level as these other seasons have been so far. So I'm all into it. I love the trailer. It looks awesome, emotional, fun, funny, badass in every single way possible. So I cannot wait that we're going to get a season earlier than anticipated with kind of kicking off the fall season in Cobra Kai season five on September 9th. What did you guys think about the trailer for this season? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today as we wrap up the weekend is, of course, like I said at the top, talking about the film that everyone is talking about this weekend. It is MCU weekend. It is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It is finally here for me after waiting years for this film since it was first announced back in San Diego Comic-Con at Hall H with the entire initial Phase 4 Phase slate announced. This was one of the films that I was very much looking forward to when it was announced that Doctor Strange and Wanda were going to be in the same film. It was going to unleash the multiverse that we've been kind of teasing and the MCU has been talking about for years and years and years leading up to this film that they've kind of gone through within some of the content that they've done without, throughout Phase 4. We're finally getting this film and I cannot wait. I mean, the trailers have looked great. You have Sam Raimi coming back to direct us and what fitting way to have him come back in the, on the big screen with the Marvel Universe 20 years after beginning what is arguably, what was arguably the beginning of the golden age of comic book movies with Spider-Man back in 2002. It's been 20 years since that film was released in theater. So it's kind of a full circle moment for him. You're bringing in horror elements within the MCU. It's gotten some really good reviews, some mixed ones as well. It's got around a 78% last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes. But right now, with since opening night came out, People, casual moviegoers, are going around Tomatoes, and right now there's around it's around a 92, 93 percent on the audience score for Multiverse of Madness. So a lot of people are enjoying this film so far, and it's showing at the box office right now. As it was reported that. On opening night, which was yesterday on Thursday, and there were screenings going as early as three o'clock yesterday, and I checked the Empire 25, the the, the Times Square in New York City. They were playing 70 shows that were going on in uh, for that movie, but it didn't make 36 million dollars opening night, which is a huge opening weekend for this film. It is the eighth highest-grossing opening day of all time and right now according to estimates it is looking to make between right now 170 and 190 million dollars now the big question of course is going to be can it reach 200 million dollars? can it become one of the top five top six highest grossing films or opening weekends of all time can it potentially beat the highest grossing may opening of all time with avengers that was all the way back in 2012. Can, is it going to be able to do that Time is going to tell because it's going to be very interesting to see what today, Friday's numbers are going to be, and Saturday's numbers are going to be because, again, with all these multiple showtimes happening, and that's a big benefit for not having a two-hour, and 30-minute, or three-hour runtime, which, again, doesn't matter because those films defied expectations like Spider-Man No Way Home, Avengers Endgame. They're some of the highest grossing films of all time, and they still manage on their run times, but having a two hour and six minute run time allows theaters to put in multiple show times in like 15, 10 minute intervals, one after each other, because you're getting people that are coming in and out, in and out, and you can fit within that run time. So if people are showing up at the door and are getting their tickets day of, whether it's online or or at the actual theater, those are gonna be the numbers that could put this over the edge and maybe get it over the $200 million mark. still holding on to my $190 million estimate. I think it's going to land somewhere within there. Again, my it could go over $200 million, but I think it's going to fall somewhere within that number. And it's, just, it's a great opening. And again, when you put it into context, just not within the MCU, but within Doctor Strange itself and his original film back in 2016, that opening weekend was only $82 million. And that was in 2016. And since then, for just the character of Doctor Strange himself, he's gone on to become, I think, a major force between being in an Infinity War and Endgame and No Way Home. And even though this is a second solo film, he's gone on a major journey throughout. And same thing with Wanda. I think that's going to be a key element as well, because the, the events of WandaVision are going to play a significant role in this film. And Wanda has become a big persona and big character because of not just her time in previous MCU films, but her character really exploded in popularity because of WandaVision. And so that that's going to be interesting to see if maybe that element is going to be a reason why people go to the theaters as well. So these are just great numbers to start with. And again, showcases that the MCU has grown since the first Doctor Strange came out. And I think the fact that this is an event film dealing with the multiverse could get some great cameos that come out of this as well. And I think people are still on the high of no way home. And the fact that they got those three Spider-Man together, if it's anything remotely possible like that, I think people are buzzing about that. The fact that you're getting America Chavez, you're getting Baron Mordo back, which you would tell Edgy for the teaming up will be or, or the, the, the implement of Scarlet Witch in this movie, I think is going to be big as well. So there's a lot of elements riding on this, but I think if it opens within that age range of 170, 190 million dollars, especially again, given the fact that the first Doctor Strange opened up with only 82 million dollars, didn't get anywhere near triple digits, is going to be a big win for Marvel Studios and the franchise. And the character, if it gets to over 200 million dollars, that'll be A knockout win even even within the conservative numbers i think that'll be a huge win for them as well but this is a great way to kick off the summer movie season of course for theaters they're very happy about this this is kind of the first normal summer movie season we have truly had since 2019 pre-pandemic and even though not every single weekend we're going to be getting big movies the next big one really is kind of top gun maverick which is coming out memorial day weekend I still think that this is really going to drive theaters and get people excited of, of the next couple of weeks before Top Gun Maverick, and then leading into Jurassic World Dominion and then Thor Love and Thunder, Elvis. There's just so many things to look forward to during this summer, and, and to have a Marvel film kick it all off again is just great to have it come in the first month or first weekend of May is exciting, and so we'll see where how it lands, but it's great to see these numbers. It's going to be big no matter what. It showcases that, again, even with mixed mixed to positive reviews, middling reviews. People still love these and and they're established enough that people, and the MCU is an established brand that it's almost critic-proof at this point. It really, really is. And no matter what, these are huge event films that people are going to see regardless. So it's showcasing that and I'm very excited to see how it all pans out on Monday, And we will have a breakdown of a, a, a sample cell podcast episode on Monday, breaking every single number that Dr. Strange either broke or made during its opening weekend and how it plays potentially into the legs that it could have in the next couple of weeks as well. But a great start for Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness, $36 million. People are going to be going to see this film again. I will be seeing it tonight at the Empire 25 in Times Square. I'll have my reviews, my initial reactions on social media, and then I'll have my review on the podcast coming out in the next day or so. Again, non-spoiler, no nothing whatsoever, no details. It'll just be a little, it'll be a very vague review of what what I thought about the film. And then in the next couple of days, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting into, into more spoilers about the film and what I really thought about it. But I'm excited. I know a lot of people are excited to see this film and this is just the start of what hopefully is a great summer movie season ahead and a great year in theatrical for Marvel Studios as well. What did you what do you guys think about these numbers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services also check out the daily grind a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals also along the way make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions such as wrestle attic radio WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You check all these out and so much more on the website AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel. Again, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L S-A-M-U-E-L And also on Facebook at Sam You can also find me on my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So, once again everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness if you're going to see it this weekend. And until next time, keep on screening.